everyone. Welcome back to A Story of Us, our humanity, history, and department. We are back today um, to give you our featured episode, kind of to round off our, our migration series. So we are fortunate enough to be hosting Dr. Jeffrey Cohen. Uh, so thank you for being here today. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah. Um, so I guess to kind of start us off, why don't you tell us what kind of anthropologist you are and why and how, how you got into this field? Sure, my pleasure. It's, it's really nice to be here and I'm very happy that you guys are doing these podcasts. They're, they're a really wonderful opportunity, I think, for the department and for everyone to learn what we're doing. So my work, I'm an, um, a cultural anthropologist. Uh, I've been here for about 11 years, maybe 12 years now. Um, my training is in economic anthropology and my research focuses largely on migration and development. Uh, with a little bit of work in food and um, a very odd little angle on zombies. So that's pretty much where I sit. I'm actually very curious. I'd love to hear like your elevator two-second spiel about the zombies. Well, it's the, the spiel for just about any of these classes, I, any of the classes I would teach. Um, it's looking at the cultural basis of human behavior. So if it's migration, it's looking at why people move, not from an economic uh, angle, but from... Uh, an, uh, from, from a foundation in uh, cultural behavior in household action. Uh, if it's zombies, it's looking at why they matter, not because they're somehow conjured up and to terrify us, but why they fit into uh, our cultural system, whether it's here in the United States or in Haiti where, they're, where they uh, originate. Yeah, that I, that is just so interesting to me. So I guess besides besides zombies, what w- what would you say is your particular niche within within anthropology? So my niche is in fact working on migration, and my research has been for uh, really the last twenty years on migration in between Mexico and the United States. I work in southern Mexico in the state of Oaxaca with a minority population. They're Zapotec speakers. And uh, since really the early 1990s, I've been um, watching them move. I've been yeah. studying their mobility as they go to other parts of Mexico, as they come to parts of the United States. I mean, one of the things that makes Oaxacans and Mexican migration a little different than most other uh, forms of migration is that generally the, the largest portion of the community is coming directly to the United States and not going to lots and lots of different destinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the folks that we work with in southern Mexico and Oaxaca are going very specifically to places in southern California, Santa Monica, Los Angeles uh, primarily, but even uh, here one of the things we've been able to do over the last mm, 10 years or so is to work with a small community of uh, Oaxacans that are from the southern part of the Central Valley region, and they live on the southeast side, or the southwest side of Columbus. So why Oaxaca? Why are you there? Well, there are a couple different reasons why I'm in Oaxaca. Uh, one reason is actually one of my one of my personal heroes in anthropology is Elsie Clouse Parsons, who was one of the early anthropologists trained by Franz Boas. And in 1936, she published a book called Mitla, Town of Souls. And uh, the work I've done is a few kilometers away from where she was in uh, in Oaxaca. But the question that she looked at, so this is in the 19, the, the early part of the 20th century. Uh, the question she looked at was, how is the market system created? Um, and one of the things that uh, she had developed with uh, her, with, with um, Franz Boas, was this idea of looking for an indigenous market system. Indigenous market systems are markets that 
include indigenous people and they tend to be built around uh, the same things that we would see in any market uh, it may look a little more rustic uh, being outside under tents uh, built around maybe the produce or products that folks are making but generally it's just a, a market system um, untouched by Western by the Western system uh, they thought that Mitla might hold that, that Oaxaca would hold that. It's a very indigenous, very um, historically isolated part of the, of the country. And when she gets there, uh, it's wonderful in her introduction to the book Mitla in Town of Souls, there's a little quote where she says, I, I can't imagine these folks, some I'm, I'm paraphrasing, uh, I can't imagine these folks, they would, they would sell their, you know, they would sell themselves if they could, you know, to make money. And there's, the economy is, you know, the, 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 the global economic system is, is sort of everywhere. And so when I was there in um, 1992 and 1993, I was motivated really by Elsie Clues Parsons' work so much earlier to go back and look at what was going on in terms of this, uh, in terms of the uh, communities and uh, market system that was develop developing around them. Now, the folks I worked with, one of the things that happened as an as an anthropologist that you don't really anticipate is that basically half of your informants just decide to go. They leave as migrants. And so that was one of those signs that helped me understand that there was something else I really needed to be studying. Yeah. And from that point on, I really began to focus in on, on migration. And something just really interesting to me, and probably a lot of our listeners who aren't necessarily only anthropologists or any sort of anthropologists, um, and that economic spin kind of gives people something to, <laughs> something to latch on to. So I, I know that you've written um, a few books about the work that you've done. There are two specific books on migration. There's cultures, Culture of Migration in Southern Mexico, which is a study of the outcomes of, of movement in the Central Valleys of Oaxaca. It was a project funded by the National Science Foundation where we worked in 13 villages for about three years looking at motivations for, um, really motivations that were driving migration. And part of what we were doing was to look beyond the very kind of basic pull-push models of migration to ask what was happening at a cultural level. Very often migrants are described as individuals we describe them as members of households. Very often the focus on is on mobility. We looked at mo movers and non-movers. And we also looked at um, the kinds of ways in which movers and non-movers stayed invested in their communities. Uh, very often in work on migration, particularly when it's looking at indigenous communities, the argument is made that the process of migration is somehow going to undermine the very structure of the indigenous society that is affected. What we were able to show in our research is that movers and non-movers really held very similar sorts of commitments to their community and that movers, in fact, were using, in part using some of the um, resources that they were gaining as migrants to uh, in fact, create what some people have called a renaissance in their sending communities. So it was really very much a corrective to an overly economic kind of a, of a, of a position. Now, from that book, so that's, a cult, that's called Culture of Migration in Southern Mexico. From that book, one of the really wonderful opportunities that, um, that came out of that was some work that I've been doing that I continue to do with a colleague in Europe. And we developed, in fact, uh, an entire framework for talking about 
culture and migration um, that is in fact a kind of global theory then that, that's in in the book that we co-authored called cultures of migration mm -hmm. and it's on global mobility and in that book we talk about households mobility decision-making and we also look very much at what we call insecurity but too often what happens in migration uh, stories or in migration models is that the uh, the researcher is going to look for the pulls that are very positive the pushes that are very negative mm -hmm. creating outcomes that in the moment seem to be economically sensible what we've done is to work on questions of migration that say what's pushing may in fact be uh, a really bad situation but there may be an equally bad situation that's at your destination and so we talk about the insecurities that confront movers it's been very useful in the work that we've done more recently looking at refugees for example we've talked a little bit about methodology and different methods of anthropology mm -hmm. in some of our earlier podcast episodes but not really going into much detail so do you want to speak at all to kind of the methods that you like to use or prefer to use and also if there are people that are interested how, where could they go to find more information sure well the methods for doing any of this research are in fact pretty pretty complicated and they take a little <laughs> while to to, to, to learn to so anybody who wants to do this uh, you know one of the things that you need to do is take a, a course in ethnographic field methods because that's one of those things that's really helpful it's really helpful to take a class in statistics as well uh, because a lot of what we end up using are statistical uh, tools that help us understand over uh, you know overall patterns of migration um, but really the the key is to plan very carefully what what your methods are and how you're going to use them too often um, there's an assumption that oh I can just do ethnography I'm just going to talk to people and that's really not what ethnography is ethnography uh, includes a lot of different tools that range from participant observation to ethnographic interviews to surveys um, and you know there's so many different things that, that, that you could do uh, and all these things you know they're there to use but you have to use them in a way that you understand what they do you understand what they're not going to do um, and you understand in a sense your relationship to them Mm -hmm. uh, so your own expectations and where, where those fit. And a lot of that is actually stuff that I talk about in um, a book I just published this past year called Learning to Eat Soup Without a Spoon. And that actually comes from Learning to Eat Soup Without a Spoon in 1992 at the very first wedding that we went to in, uh, in the little village of Santa Ana de Valle in Oaxaca. Uh -huh. So with your work in Oaxaca, what what of those methods do you do you really like to use? I do everything. Everything. Yes. Yeah. We've done participant observation. I've done interviews. I've done surveys. We've done very very focused interviews. We've actually done what are typically called advanced methodologies using things like um, cultural consensus models mm -hmm. and uh, also surveys. I mean, one of the things that's a key to almost all the work that we do are pretty formal surveys. Uh, that, that we can then turn into kind of quantifiable data. So this might be a good time to talk about some of cutting-edge current events in migration. So I know there's a lot going on there. Is there anything you'd specifically like to speak to us about? Sure. So we're living in a moment where in the press people describe the movement of uh, refugees from Syria and North Africa into Europe as part of a, a migration crisis. The UN has, in fact, for the very first time, 
pulled together to have a meeting focused specifically on uh, what they're calling the refugee crisis. And these are important moments for us as researchers to not just explore some of these questions, but to maybe even take a moment to help in developing responses, Mm -hmm. to remind um, folks that the refugee crisis in Europe is only the very latest of refugee crises. In, in, you know, the last one uh, happened around the war in the former Yugoslavian republics. Mm -hmm. um, And the movement of, 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 I believe, nearly four million people. Uh, And so when we talk about five or six million Syrians, um, it gives it a slightly different sort of sense when we say, well, there's also those populations. So that's part of what we, I I think what we can do is to remember that our research isn't just for our friends, not just for the academy, but also for the public and also for, you know, people who are looking for solutions. We can help to reach those solutions. We can help to remind people some of the parameters that are going to make those solutions work or potentially fail, Mm -hmm. uh, the kinds of of, uh, goals that, that movers everywhere are going to share. One of the things that's been really important, and so this is work that I do with, uh, with my uh, dear friend and colleague, Ibrahim Serkechi, who's in uh, Regents University in London. Uh, part of what we do is to remind people that you know, these are humans, these are movers, mm-hmm. that refugees, wherever they are, are a kind of migrant. Um, and, they, and that there are, it's important that we move away from uh, debates over who is and who is not a good migrant, who is and who is not a dangerous refugee, mm-hmm. to just a discussion of mobility, uh, just a discussion of, of humans moving, and, rem- and remembering that this is a historical process, it's a cultural process, and it's a process that takes place really uh, around families, around households. Uh, there, are, there are very few people that are moving independently of others. So. To bring it back home for some of our Ohio State listeners, um, any kind of updates on on cool classes you're offering? So um, in the fall of next year, so that would be fall of 2017? yeah. Hash, it goes so fast. We're starting a class, and it's going to be called the Anthropology of Mobility. And the goal of the course is to actually look at different theories in anthropology to explain human migration. Uh, through space, through time, ethnographic, archaeological, bioanthropological, because there are in fact physical things that we can look at, there's nutritional things that we need to look at, there are um, archaeological you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pieces of the world that, that show us mobility. Um, I, have, I remember having a student who was studying Chinese um, pottery found in found on the Caribbean coast of Mexico and you know that's a migration story Uh, looking at Oaxacans who go from a small village in the center of their state to living in a place like Columbus Ohio that's a migration story understanding how the uh, the nutrition of movers is going to affect their health, their well-being, their stature, those are all questions of migration that, that bring, in, bring, bring in different dimensions of anthropology that we're really hoping to, uh, to, uh, to celebrate in, in during the semester. And so one of the goals in the class really is a kind of celebratory goal where 
I'm hoping that uh, some of you, the graduate students who are working on these things, will actually come in to help, uh, to help us talk about different methods, different approaches. My work is very much you know, on the ethnographic end of this, of this scale, but there's lots of different ways to talk about these, uh, these, um, the setting of migration. The other thing I'll mention, um, and I guess it comes in two pieces, is that as part of the discovery themes, we've put together a, 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 a program looking at global mobility. How about for people that, that don't fit that criteria? It's mm -hmm. kind of one takeaway mm -hmm. of, of all your work. So the takeaway for work, if you want to be an anthropologist, uh, do it because you love it, because it's hard work, but mm -hmm. it's certainly very, very re rewarding. Um, so do a little work, learn about the field, um, probably don't call us and say, I love people, I want to be an anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> because too often, I think anthropologists are really trying to figure out why they don't like people. <laughs> um, but pick up the phone, talk to us, we're, we're always here to answer your questions. And uh, if you're really interested in these things, find an anthropologist, go to your local university. You'll find somebody who wants to, who will be very happy to have you working in a lab or mm -hmm. uh, doing research with them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. all over the country, all, all over, over the, the world, country. And and not just yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah. And I mean, here, our graduate students are always looking for students to, that want to help them. Yeah. And so, you know, just a little initiative and you'll, you'll love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much sure, for being pleasure. here with us. It was really, really wonderful it's experience to talk to you. So this has been our kind of our capstone bonus episode with Dr. Cohen, um, cultural anthropologist at, at The Ohio State. This podcast was produced with our partners at the American Anthropological Association. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at A Story of Us, OSU. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next semester. <laughs>